As Owen said, my name's uh, David, and uh, it's uh, my joy to speak with you this afternoon. And uh, if you're joining us, uh, uh, maybe for the first time or as a visitor, uh, and if maybe those online, uh, some of you are visitors as well, I just want to let you know we're working our way through uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so we're in Matthew uh, chapter 6. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, perhaps you'd like to open it at that. Uh, we're not going to be uh, staying in there for long. We're going to be uh, darting around in Scripture, uh, but uh, that's our anchor passage, as it were, uh, Matthew chapter 6, where you'll find the Lord's Prayer. So we're continuing our series. We're in week three of our series, uh, and uh, if you have been uh, with us, uh, you may remember that uh, two weeks ago, James uh, started us off by helping us to see just how utterly different God is to us. You know, our Father God, his character, his nature, his personality, the way he acts toward us, he's so different. You know, we don't compare with him. Will was praying earlier on about there's no one like him and there's no one to whom we can compare him. And then last week, Owen uh, moved us on and shared with us the importance of our role in helping to bring in God's kingdom here on earth through sharing the good news about Jesus with others. When we say, thy kingdom come, we can't just sit back as spectators. It's not a spectator sport. We need to be active in partnering with the Holy Spirit to draw others to Jesus. A quick plug at this point for Alpha. We've got an Alpha course starting on the 9th of February here on the mezzanine floor at Oakwood. Um, and I just encourage you, pick up some cards off the table at the back and give them out to folks and invite people to come along uh, to Alpha to hear about Jesus, to find out for themselves who Jesus was and is. Today we're going to move on to verse 11 and uh, so we're Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11 where the focus changes uh, to us asking God for things for ourselves or at least that's how it might appear. Jesus says we're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Well, bread was very much a staple food then, just as it is now. And Jesus taught his disciples that they should ask daily for this to be provided. He didn't use some other form of food, something that was only eaten on rare occasions or at festivals. He chose to use bread something that was a daily necessity of life. In this, he taught them and us to rely on, the, on him for the essentials in life, to live in dependence on him. The prayer Jesus taught is said verbatim, as you know, in many church settings and by many Christians. And that's okay. But actually, I see this prayer as a model of how we should pray not that every time we come before God, we, we do things just as it's set out, but that the elements that are contained within the, the Lord's Prayer should feature in our prayer lives. We should recognize God for who he is and for what he's done for us. We should earnestly desire to see his kingdom advance as we were praying earlier on. We're encouraged to show our dependence on him. We're taught to confess our sins and to seek his forgiveness. 
I guess for many of us, myself included, I can spend more time focusing on what I need from God than I do recognizing him for who he is and for what he's done for me and expressing my thankfulness and worshiping him. You know, there's a good reason why we start by thinking about God. We considered some of the attributes the other week. We've sung about some of the attributes uh, this afternoon. All-powerful, loving, faithful, miracle worker, promise keeper. Aren't those the sorts of characteristics you'd want in someone you're turning to for help? When your car breaks down, I guess you wouldn't call Tesco or any other supermarket to come and fix it for you. When you need bread, you get some pretty strange looks if you went to the fishmonger or to the butcher and asked for a loaf. When we need help, we go to someone we know is able to supply that help. Someone who's qualified, someone who has the resources, the right tools and equipment, someone who has a proven track record. If we don't know where to turn, we very often ask other people, where can I go? And they'll give us a recommendation. We come to God not because he's told us to do so, although that in itself would be a pretty good reason. We come because he has the resources. He's been helping people and providing for people ever since creation. So we're going to look at three aspects today. Firstly, God has provided. Let's turn back to the account of creation in Genesis and chapter 1. And in verse 26 we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. You know, having created man, it would have been pretty strange if the mighty all-powerful God had said to Adam, right, you're on your own now. <laughs> you know, it's up to you. Get on with it. Fortunately, he didn't. The passage goes on to say, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then in verses 28 and 29, And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of, the earth, of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. God didn't just create a one-off act and then disappear off the scene. But he sustains, he provides for all he has created. We're going to look at some examples. Let's look firstly at Exodus and chapter 16. The story will be very familiar to most of you, I'm sure. The Israelites had been delivered from slavery in Egypt by God after God sent the plagues, they'd seen God miraculously sustain them by parting the Red Sea so that they could proceed on dry land while the Egyptian pursuers were consumed by the waters as they flowed back. 
But now, as they wandered through the desert, they began moaning to Moses and Aaron that all, they had all the food they wanted back in Egypt. And now they looked as if they were going to starve to death. God responded by promising that he would provide bread and meat. And we read in verses 11 to 16 of that chapter, And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of, your pe- of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay round, around the camp. And when the dew had gone, when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer, that's a unit of weight, according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. God was true to his word. For 40 years he provided manna for them until they reached Canaan. The instruction to the people was very clear. Apart from on the Sabbath, they were to gather enough bread to feed their household that day. And they were not to seek to keep manna for the following day. When they did disobey this, they found the manna stank and was full of maggots. God's provision for his people was sufficient for that day. And they needed to learn that he would provide for them each day. He wanted their dependence to be on him daily, not to live on the blessing that they'd received the day before, but to rely on him for fresh manner, for fresh blessing each new day. Let's look at another instance, this time in the life of the prophet Elijah. There are a number of instances that speak of God's provision for Elijah. The first one is in 1 Kings 17, where Ahab had become king over Israel, and he ruled for some 22 years, during which time we read he did more to arouse the anger of God, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Some character. Having married Jezebel, he introduced worship of Baal, and Elijah confronted Ahab in the name of the Lord and announced a drought over the land for a few years until he, Elijah, would, said it would end. And then we read in 1 Kings 17 and verses 2 to 6, And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is, the, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. This was rich fare. Greater provision than was normal. Meat would be reserved for special occasions unless you ate with the king, in which case it would be a daily occurrence. Our God doesn't do things in half measures. 
He's the God of abundant supply. And then sticking with Elijah, but a couple of chapters further on in 1 Kings 19, after being used by God in an amazing, powerful way in the contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, when his life was under threat from Jezebel, Elijah fled into the wilderness in fear. He became depressed and wanted to die. Even then, as he slept under a bush, God ministered to him. We read in 1 Kings 19, And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to, the, to Horeb, the mount of God. Our God sustains us. He strengthens us. Even when we feel far from him, even when we feel we've let him down, he remains faithful to us. That's just a few instances from the Old Testament. There's so many stories of God's provision, not always associated with food. Uh, Many other things, too. We read of God freeing the Israelites from slavery, preserving the lives of those in the in the fiery furnace, in the lion's den, giving them victory over their enemies, causing his people to find favor, healing the sick. And then in the New Testament, sending Jesus, the ultimate provision for us, casting out demons, quelling the storm. We don't have time to unpack these, but do reflect on them, on God's abundant provision for his people as portrayed in the Bible. Then secondly, God is providing for us. You know, his nature is to provide. We've seen from Scripture that God has met the needs of his people. He's been sustaining them and providing for them over generations. But thankfully, we have more than just Scripture to rely on when we, know, when we talk about God's provision. God's very character and nature is one of provider. He cares for his creation. He knows us intimately and he cares for us. So he looks out for us. Jesus tells us that even the hairs on our head are numbered. Our father who knows and cares even when a sparrow falls to the ground knows all about me and knows all about you. He knows all about what's going on in our lives. He knows the joys. He knows the challenges, the pains, the frustrations. And he cares. So if God knows us in such detail, why did Jesus teach us that we should pray, give us this day our daily bread? Why doesn't he just provide it? Why didn't he just provide what we need, fix the situations that we're facing? Of course, in so many instances, 
does just that, and we take it for granted. I'm pretty sure that before you had time this morning to even utter a word, he put breath in your lungs. You've known his protection throughout today, even though you may not have implicitly asked for it. You've enjoyed food today, even though you may not have prayed for it. He wants us to ask. In so many ways, God provides for us because that's his nature, but he wants us to ask for what we need. We read in Matthew 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, because he wants us to recognize our dependence on him. Getting on your knees and praying is an acknowledgement that I can't, but God, you can. It's an act of humility on our part to recognize our need of him. Just as the Israelites had to come to that low point of realizing that they would starve to death without God's intervention. You might like to think you're quite capable of providing for yourself and your family on a day-to-day basis. And that you'll keep God in reserve for the really big issues in life. We need to come to the point of recognizing that he has given us the physical and mental capacity to do the work that we do. To put food on our tables, to engage in leisure activities and so much more. He's given us those abilities in the first place. He wants us to ask out of relationship with him. At the start of the year, Owen encouraged us to adopt Proverbs 3 and verses 5 and 6 as our resolution as a church. This is risky. Uh, Can you remember it? Can we recite it? Trust, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He wants us to rely on him but to do so out of relationship with him, a relationship that recognizes who he is and what he's done for us. I wonder, when did you last use a cash dispenser? (laughs) Maybe it's not such an obvious answer these days because uh, uh, we seem to be moving towards a cashless society. However, for now, it's great that there are still holes in the wall. And that assuming you have a card and assuming that you're recognized, you can insert the card and assuming you're in credit, some cash will emerge from the machine. 
The rest of the time, we probably walk past those cash dispensers without giving them a second glance. I wonder whether sometimes we treat God like a cash dispenser. We have a need. We offer up a quick request and we wait for the result to be delivered. It's a bit like if one of my children came to the house and walked straight past me, not even acknowledging my existence, and then just helped themselves to an item from the house and made off. It's not that I would deny them that item. I love them. I care for them. I would want to provide for them. But actually, I'd like to do so out of relationship. You know, I'd like them to acknowledge who I am and to... It would be far more honouring if that was taken out of relationship. So when we come to him, we need to remember the verses that precede this request and recognise how great and mighty God is and that we are here to do his will. And then he wants us to ask daily and to do so for more than just ourselves. There's a couple more key words in this simple request that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's clear that we're to ask for help daily. When we don't, we start leaning on our own understanding and relying on ourselves. In his book, Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer, C.S. Lewis writes, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. Let me read that again. Relying on God has to begin all over again every day, as if nothing had yet been done. That's so true, isn't it? If we don't come before God dependent on him each new day, we slip so easily into doing things our own way, placing our trust in other things or in other people. And then throughout this prayer, Jesus never uses the singular. It's not give me today my daily bread, but give us today our daily bread. It's not about me, me, me. Just as when God provided the manna, they collected enough for those in their tent. We are to pray for God's provision, not just for ourselves, but for our family for our community, and far beyond. I could recite numerous personal examples of God's amazing provision for me and my family and the wider communities of which we've been a part. We've seen him provide far more than we could ask or imagine. I can remember a time some years ago when we were asked to step out in faith in giving towards a new church building Having prayed about it, we felt God put a sum of money on our hearts to give. Way more than seems sensible. Having given him faith, we were then humbled as we were blessed with gifts of money. Envelopes coming through the letterbox with notes and notes and notes in. A legacy, totally unexpected, and so on. God is so faithful. We've had so many answers to prayer as a family for healing for ourselves and for family members. 
for new opportunities when I've been out of work and for protection and for guidance. The answer hasn't always been what we expected or what we might have chosen, but God has always come through. We have our own experience of God's faithfulness as a church. Back in the summer, as we were planning a move into this extension, we knew we needed finance to buy the chairs and equipment to make this a suitable meeting place. The cost was about £50,000, a pretty substantial sum for a church of our size. So we prayed and we called on the church to give, holding a gift day in July. When we counted up the gifts and the pledges, we were amazed and humbled that the total received came to some £70,000. We were so thankful to God for answering our prayers and to you as a people for your generosity in giving. I'm sure we all have countless examples of God's provision to us personally. What I'd like us to do, here's some forewarning, yeah? some homework, what I'd like us to do is to just think of examples of God's amazing provision for you in answering your prayers and come to your life groups on Wednesday night with testimony of God's faithfulness and God's provision to you and to your family. And we'll pray out of thanksgiving to God for his generous provision. Now I want to move on to point number three, which is God will provide for us in eternity or for eternity. You know, while it's clear in scripture that God is interested in every aspect of our lives and he loves it when we come to talk to him about our needs, whether they be physical or material or emotional, I believe Jesus' teaching here goes way beyond that. When God responded to the moans of the Israelites, he said to Moses that he would rain down bread from heaven. Flip forward 1,300 years, and we see Jesus feeding the 5,000 from five loaves and two fish provided by a boy. Afterwards, the crowd wanted a demonstration from Jesus to prove that he was greater than Moses who was God's instrument in providing the manna. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? They've just witnessed this amazing miracle. And yet they wanted further evidence, further proof. Not only had Jesus fed the huge crowd from the meager provision that this boy was able to provide, but there were 12 basketfuls of bread left over after they'd all been fed but they still required further evidence. We read his response in John chapter 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In teaching his disciples and us to pray these words, give us this day our daily bread, he's wanting us to gain nourishment and sustenance 
from feeding on him, not just from having our material needs met. When we read it in this way, it changes us it, from us seeking what we need or want from, from God and for our own pleasure to us seeking what we need to play our part in seeing his kingdom come. This, to me, gives a more logical flow to the prayer because those who are seeking to help bring in his kingdom and who want to see his will done on earth need to be walking with him and feeding on him daily. In this passage, Jesus makes clear that it wasn't Moses who'd provided the manna in the wilderness, it was God. And he contrasts the manna with the bread now on offer to them and to us. The manna God gave in the wilderness didn't have a lasting quality. It nourished them only for a limited time. It was also only for a select group of people, the children of Israel. He goes on to explain that the bread from heaven that's now on offer to men and women everywhere is the true bread. And that this bread is Jesus himself participating or partaking of this bread of Jesus by believing in him is essential to us knowing eternal life. This bread, Jesus, sustains us for eternal life. Now clearly that doesn't mean we eat the bread once. It's a daily request of God that he give us our daily bread. Feeding on him is the staple diet of Christians. We need to do so to be healthy and strong. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus uh, was hungry after having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan tempted him to turn stones into bread. Jesus was clearly able to do so. But instead he responded, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew God would sustain him. And he placed greater store by the spiritual nourishment over the physical. This week we've seen news reports of the suffering of Afghans as they endure a harsh winter with lack of shelter and food. I don't know about you, but I found the images truly harrowing, especially of the malnourished children looking little more than skin and bones. Their suffering is not through want of asking and begging. It's imposed, not through any neglect on their part. I wonder if our spiritual status was visible to one another, as it is to God. How many of us would look undernourished because we've got our priorities wrong? In Matthew 6, just after Jesus has taught his disciples this prayer, he went to talk, on to talk to them about priorities. He spoke of the importance of storing up treasures in heaven in contrast with the futility of focusing on material things. He tells us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, trusting that God will provide food and clothing and other things that we need. John Piper, the American theologian and pastor, writes in his book, A Hunger for God. He 
if you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with small things and there's no room for the great. Let me read that again. If you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of the glory of God, it's not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It is because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Your soul is stuffed with the small things and there's no room for the great. Wow. That gets me, that quote. Jesus came to give us life, eternal life. He came to reveal mankind what God is like. He came to make a way for sinful beings such as us to be reconciled to God through his sacrifice on the cross for us to have a relationship with God restored to what it was intended to be before sin entered into the world through Adam's disobedience. If you've not experienced that for yourself, his offer is open to you today. You can pray this prayer in a totally new way. You can pray this prayer that Jesus taught with renewed understanding. But if you're a Christian here today, I want to ask you, how well fed are you? Are you reading your Bible daily? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to apply it to your heart? Are you seeking to grow more like Jesus day by day? As we ask him to feed us daily, it's not our own, for our own personal comfort and gratification. It's so that we can do his will and we can partner with him in seeing his kingdom come, going with Jesus. I want to encourage you to take opportunities this week to pray. Pray alone. Pray on your own in a quiet space. Pray with your life group this week. Pray with other friends from across the church. Pray with thankfulness for God's abundant provision for us in the physical. But more than that, give thanks for his amazing gift of Jesus and the salvation we can know because of his sacrifice. And give thanks that your eyes have been opened to the truth of his word. <laughs>